Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. So it's true, the darkness has come. Not, of course, for the first time, nor will it be the last. But the question is, what do we do with this darkness? And the only true answer is that we must learn how to walk through darknesses of all kind without losing our faith. That means that we must learn to not only walk through, but receive the many gifts that the darkness will ultimately give us. We are in the midst of a pandemic, an economic crisis, a crisis regarding racial discrimination and abuse, a crisis regarding sexual orientation discrimination and abuse, and gender identity discrimination and abuse, a political crisis, a crisis of faith, and a climate crisis. Any one of these would be distressing and disturbing, but all of them are happening at the same time. How do we as a collective perceive this? How do we get through it? How do we as individuals perceive this, and how does each individual get through it? Tune in today. Stay tuned today, and we'll talk about how to walk through the darkness. So what do I mean by the darkness? The darkness is a time where uh, we can't see well. We don't know what's coming. We don't know why it's happening. We don't understand uh, the dynamics. We are confused and a little bit lost. And that's the way everybody's feeling right now all over the world, not just in America, but all over the world. People are walking through the darkness and trying to figure out what their next step might be or what's going to happen in the future. With regard to the pandemic, we don't know when or if there'll be a vaccine. We don't know when or if we'll get back to what we call normal. We don't know uh, whether the, the vaccine will help for a long period of time or whether it will only be short with boosters. We don't, the, we don't know whether to start our schools back. We don't know whether to start our football schedules back. We don't know what to do. And so we're a little bit lost. And in the midst of that, we're having a political uh, uh, an election in November. And so there's a lot of talk about closing the post office so that we won't be able to mail in our ballots. What does that mean about the political realm? What's going on there? Um, you know, and there, in the midst of that, there's a racial crisis. We're, we've just, you know, suddenly become aware, it seems, that white people are beginning to become aware of the fact that we've been discriminating and abusing black people and other people of color for centuries. And it seems like we're just now beginning to get that, even though they've been trying to tell us this for a long, long time. And then, of course, there's the uh, discrimination against people of variant sexual orientations, the discrimination against people with variant gender identities. Uh, we've seen several transgender women be killed over the past month. They're just murdered. That kind of hate comes from a lack of acceptance of someone's natural sense of self. So the whole thing, everything that every one of these crises that we've talked about so far, and we haven't even touched on the climate crisis yet, every one of these crises has something to do with nature, our lack of acceptance of nature. We've been taught in the Western world that we're supposed to dominate nature, that it belongs to us and we're supposed to dominate it and get from it what we want. And so we have. 
We've built oil rigs all over the place, regardless of what damage that does. We do fracking, when, no matter what damage that does. We, we um, uh, use up the earth's supplies instead of, using up, instead of using natural supplies that don't diminish, like air and, and wind and water. Uh, we, we are not using the natural world in a way that means that we are walking alongside it. Rather, we're trying to dominate it. And so we have uh, a crisis of the climate where the climate now is kind of speaking up and saying, you know, no, I won't tolerate that anymore. I'm going to have to show you that you're going to have to live beside me instead of trying to dominate me. And so we have uh, the Arctic caps melting. We have uh, uh, climate changes all over the world. Uh, strange new weather, strange hurricanes, strange um, uh, happenings all over the world with regard to weather. So that's our climate change, and it's coming, and it's coming rapidly. And if we do nothing about it, it will take over. So there's that crisis, which is about nature. And we have uh, the, the COVID-19 crisis. And the way that happened, as I understand it from science, is that we moved into nature's turf, taking over more and more of her land and her animal kingdom, so that now we're living very close to the natural world and its diseases have become our diseases. So that we, those, those diseases just pass right over to us now very easily because we've encroached on their kingdom. And the, the racial crisis is a crisis of nature. Human flesh and the color of it is natural. It's just natural. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing right about it. It just is. But what we've decided is that some colors are better than others. Some people of one color are less than other people of other colors. Even though in America we espouse that we are a nation of people and we are ruled of the people, by the people, and for the people, even though we say that all men are created equal, which also, of course, would include women, we don't act on it. We believe that the nature that was given to us as the divine intelligence created it is wrong. That made a mistake. They shouldn't have created black people, yellow people, uh, people of color. They should not have done that. And if they did, they were wrong. But they didn't. So Something else went wrong. And they've made up a story about what that is, what that wrong thing is. And they've told that story for centuries now. And now we're becoming conscious of that fact. Now, finally, it's in our faces, the discrimination and abuse we've treated. Amer uh, the facts are that America was built on racial discrimination. America was built on the back of the lives of Native Americans and black slaves. And we don't want to admit that. We don't want to own that. But that's the truth. And it's our fight with nature that's causing it. So, you know, we say in these cases that nature is not nature, particularly with regard to gender identification. We, we say, well, nature, that's not really nature. They've just made up this story that, you know, that people that are gay or bisexual they are just making up a story. They've chosen that lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not a way of being. It's, it's all about sex. It's all about who, who you have sex with. And there's some groups, particularly the American Counseling Association, that has decided to change the name from sexual orientation to affectional orientation 
because what what's really true about gays and, and lesbians and bisexuals is that they fall in love with people of the same sex sometimes. Bisexuals sometimes, gays and lesbians all the time. And it's not about who they have sex with, it's about who they fall in love with. And that's the real truth, but that what's out there is that it's not natural. It's a choice, and that's just not even the truth. So again, we're not accepting nature on nature's terms, we're fighting with it. And the same thing is true with uh, gender identity, so that people are thinking that if you're born a certain way, with a certain kind of uh, gender, then that's just how it ought to be, and you shouldn't argue with it. Just let it be, and, uh, and, and understand that that's how it's going to be. So we, 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 don't, uh, we don't agree with nature. But the truth is that some people are born with a body of one gender and a heart and soul of another. And that's nature too. So why do we get the right to argue with nature that way? Why is it that nature isn't just allowed to be nature? It's because we think that we're supposed to be smarter than nature, that we're supposed to dominate nature, that we're supposed to control nature. And of course, that's not true. The truth is that nature is itself. And so all of these dark times have come upon us now because they are the shadow of nature presenting itself to us in a way that says, hello, let's look at nature. Let's, let's stop trying to dominate nature and let's let nature stand beside us as equal instead of something we have to control. This, this dark time is a shadow time. A shadow is a dark part of our identity, our collective identity, and our individual identities. So not only is this collective time of darkness, but many individuals are having serious dark times in addition to the collective dark times we all share. So what can we do about it? Well, we're going to talk a lot about that today, what, that doing stuff, what, what we can do. But the first thing we need to understand is that we're not going to be able to negotiate with the darkness because in the same way, we can't negotiate uh, some kind of uh, dominance over nature. We're not going to be able to win that battle. Nature is going to win. Nature is going to win. We are not. And so we need to understand that. And we need to understand that we can't negotiate with the darkness. It's, it is what it is. It is, it, it is one of the things that, that we have to learn to walk through. We have many periods of darkness in our lives, and every time it has come to talk to us about something important, and we need to listen to it and honor it and trust that it's going to carry us to some new place with new information. But we, we tend, what we tend to do instead is we tend to bargain with it. If I do this, then the darkness will go away. If I pretend that COVID-19 is not really real by refusing to wear a mask and socially distance, then it will not be real and everything will be fine. If I just tell myself that it's just like the flu, then maybe it'll, I'll just go about my life normally and it'll be okay and it won't be a bad problem. But we understand that there's over 160,000 people that have died of this disease. And in America, we are the country with the most deaths from COVID-19. Why is that? It's because we're resisting nature. We're saying to COVID-19, you can't dominate me. I'm going to dominate you. I'm going to rule you. You're going to do what I want you to do. You're going to go away and, and not be seen anymore. 
And so people are out dancing and on the beaches and um, going to restaurants and not wearing masks and having parties and going to churches and doing all kinds of things where they're exposing each other to the disease and people are dying. And having uh, political rallies where people die because they came to attend the political rally. So uh, we tell ourselves these lies. We tell ourselves these lies about it, and that's our bargain. But darkness will not be bargained with. It is beyond our bargaining. Darkness will simply keep the lights out until we've gained from the experience what is intended by the darkness. Why is that? Because darkness, like light, is natural. It's a very natural, essential part of our humanness and our journey here on planet Earth. Darkness, like light, wants to bring us to truth. And it will hang around until we are willing to not only see the truth, but be the truth. And if we only have yet received a portion of the truth, it will come back again and again until we're willing and able to see and be the whole truth. The thing we must learn to do is walk through the darkness, not walk around, not dig under, not climb over or pretend away, but walk through. That's what we need to learn to do. So when we talk about all these various problems that have come up right now, the COVID-19, the racial problems, political problems, the financial problems, um, the sexual orientation and gender identity discriminations, all of these uh, like I said, are of the same ilk. They are all, the climate change also, the, they're all about nature. And, and so let's talk, what, what is nature? What is that? It is, um, it is a, an important and sacred and powerful demonstration of divine intelligence. That's what nature is. N- nature is a physical um, rendition of divine intelligence. And if we, if we trust it to be just that, if we trust it to be um, there for us in that sense that it is a part of divine intelligence, then we will stand aside it. We will not try to dominate it any more than we would try to divine, uh, dominate divine intelligence. Um, so, so nature is, um, has its own way. It ha- does its own thing. Um, you, you stand in your garden and a bee comes flying toward you, and unless you wave it away, it may just land in your ear. Uh, that bee is headed somewhere, and he's, he's, you're in his way. Why do earthquakes happen where they happen? Well, I don't know the geological ramifications of that. My son might be able to tell me that. He's a geologist. But I... But, I know it uh, has something to do with plate tectonics, and I know that um, they happen at various points around the globe, various times, and sometimes people get in the way and people die. I know the same is true with tornadoes, hurricanes. They happen by nature, and sometimes people are in the way and they die. So we get in the way of nature. Instead of trying to work with nature, we get in the way of nature. And uh, so, you know, there's something here where I live called Tornado Alley. All the tornadoes seem to go up the same way. And yet people keep building their homes right there in the middle of Tornado Alley. 
as if they had control over nature. And then they complain when their houses get torn apart by a tornado that comes right up Tornado Alley. We're again fighting with nature. So, so one of the ways that we can work with our with nature is to recognize that it's a powerful force that has its own energy and that it will do what it does regardless of what we do. And one of the things that we can do with regard to the climate change is we can start initiating today many, many, many activities that have to do with understanding and agreeing with nature. We can start using windmills. We can start using uh, other solar power. We can start using all kinds of energy sources that don't come from oil and coal. And uh, if we do that, then we begin to change climate change. Climate change might back off some. If we don't, then we will continue to see climate change take away the polar regions, and that's going to melt the ice, and then nations perhaps will be flooded. I don't know how that will look, but that's what we understand from science. So cooperating with nature is a part of it. Now, how do we do that on an individual basis? And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes right after this break. So stay tuned for more right after this break. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Do you ever feel that life is overwhelming and your thoughts are all over the place? Do you always think you need more but feel less satisfied no matter what? Are you looking for a little bit of clarity and peace and a whole lot of joy and playfulness? Join Jan Christensen and Marnix Powells as they reveal the secret of the human experience to help you find your magnificent mind. A Magnificent Mind airs Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you dreaming about blissful retirement? Retirement could mean living another 30 years past the last day of work. Many women worry about retirement and financial security more than many other aspects of their career. Join Maria Lukasen for Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. This show will answer questions about resources, ideas, and assurances about life in retirement. Join in on the conversations every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free 1-888-346-9141. 
That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about walking through the darkness and how we can do that. So we've spent a lot of time in the first uh, segment of the show talking about the collective darkness and how what we need to do to nego- to work with the, the, the darkness that's upon us now collectively is to learn to work with nature instead of working against nature. Instead of trying to dominate nature, we need to work with nature with regard to the climate, with regard to race, with regard to sexual orientation, with regard to gender identity, with regard to um, disease, with regard to our health, uh, with regard to uh, all the problems that have come up today. We need to work with nature, not try to dominate it. And that's part of how we'll get through the collective darkness. But each of us has individual darknesses, even within the collective darkness that's happening right now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Part of what happens with regard to um, the, collect- the, the, the darkness is that each of us has to contend with his or her own feelings, her, his or her own emotions relative to the darkness. So the darkness may, may look like it's just a circumstance, but the reality is that the circumstance in and of itself does not create that dark feeling inside of us. Our emotional reactions to the circumstance creates that feeling inside of us. And so Eckhart Tolle, Tolle tells us about the pain body. And the pain body is a reaction to our circumstances rather than just um, being in the circumstance, being in the moment, um, and, and, and not trying to um, make it go away or force it out of our lives. So let's look at the darkness of fear or anxiety. All of us have a fear and anxiety at certain points in our lives. All of us know that fear and anxiety will come up at various points, and some of us have more fear and anxiety than others. And some of us go through periods of time where fear and anxiety is really intense and other times where it's not. And um, so fear and anxiety is one of those things that makes us feel dark and alone and afraid. And so how do we get through that? What do we do with fear and anxiety? Well, first thing we understand is that fear is the same as anxiety, and anxiety is the same as fear. They're both based in fear. So, um, you know, when people say, well, I'm not afraid, I'm just anxious, what they're really saying is, I'm not afraid, I'm just afraid. Uh, So these are synonyms, and we need to think of them that way. Anxiety is a form of fear. And if we look at it that way, then what we might want to do at first, which our culture has taught us, is that we're supposed to make fear go away. The, the old saying that's in the Bible and that has been quoted with a lot of New Age, New, new Thought, and uh, Human Potential Movement folks is perfect love casts out fear. And what people tend to think that means is that, there, you know, if I'm a good person, then I won't be afraid. If I'm a person who's really spiritual, I won't be afraid. That's not what that means. That's not what that means at all. What that means is that understanding that we are perfectly loved makes us unafraid. So throughout the texts of the Bible and many of the other sacred texts of the world, we hear fear not. We hear, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We hear uh, that um, there are many, many times in David's Psalms where he talks about how he's been saved 
by the power of grace. Um, and so we, we understand that uh, love, understanding that we are loved by the divine does make us less afraid. So that's good. That's understanding. And, and, and certainly walking with your own idea of the divine is a part of how you will get through. I really encourage that kind of walk through that says that, that understands that the divine is always all around us and uh, has never left us and uh, that we can trust that is it, that we can get through. So walking through implies first that we are see that we see that we are indeed in the darkness. The darkness is real and we must stop pretending it isn't. So we must look at anxiety and say this is real and I got to pr- not stop pretending that I'm not afraid. I'm afraid. We must begin to understand that uncertainty will have to, for a season at least, become part of our daily routine. We must not pretend that we are in the light when we are in the darkness. We must not pretend that we know what we do not know when we are in the darkness. Rather, we can look to the divine to be the knower. We do not have to know. We just walk with the divine and trust. The divine is within us and all around us, and the divine is always communicating with us of its trustworthiness. When we meditate on the darkness, we come to know that though we do not not yet know, it is enough to trust that the knowing is all around us. Certainty is not ours in the dark times, but trust can be ours. And so trust is one of those things we work for when we're anxious and afraid. We look toward uh, a trusting relationship with a higher being and with other people. There are some people who uh, are so afraid and so uh, anxious that they are they are looking for 100% safety. And what I say is there is no such thing on planet Earth as 100% safety, and yet we were always 100% safe. There's, it's a paradox, but it's true, that there is, there, you can't expect the, the world to create a safe place for you. Uh, we have to create as much safety as we can by ourselves, by, by, by our choices, create boundaries about uh, abusive relationships, create boundaries about intrusive relationships, create boundaries that set us in a safe place and don't let the world encroach on that safe place. Do all that we can to do that and then trust the divine. Um, that's as good as it gets. There is no safety beyond that. And yet, the divine is always protecting us and taking care of us. And so there's a, a both end. We have to take care of ourselves and the divine is also taking care of us. And if we think of a, a, the divine as existing within us, as us, then those are one and the same thing. If you don't and you think of the divine as an outer being, well, then the divine is there taking care of you in that way too. Um, so it's important for us to attend to the thoughts and emotions that arise in the darkness as if they were small, frightened children who need us to gather them to our breast and hold them even as if we were being held by the divine. So often we try to push these emotions away. We want to think higher and feel better. We don't want these so-called negative thoughts and feelings. Many of us have been even taught by well-intended but misinformed teachers that we should always be living in a state of constant bliss. And if we're not, then we're not being spiritual enough. And that is, that is one of the things I want to really uh, emphasize today is that, you know, whatever it is that we're feeling, whether it's uh, despair or fear or uh, sorrow, or uh, trauma, or 
fear of the unknown or a history of spiritual abuse or loneliness, whatever it is that we're feeling, it's okay to feel that. It's okay to, to just say to ourselves, well, this is what I'm feeling. This is, this is what, how I'm reacting. And I'm just going to sit beside this and listen to it as if it's an important message for me, about me, to me. And if I do that, what happens is we begin to get the messages. We begin to understand unresolved issues in our psyche. We begin to understand um, how we might be able to gain a gift from this. For example, every time we, we look at a fear and say, okay, there's the fear, now what do I need to do with it? Then we take a next step and we figure out what to do next and we do it and then we go, oh, okay, well, I got through that fear. I did, I did what, what, what I needed to do to, to, to respond to that fear appropriately. So if you have a fear that you're not going to get a project done, well, setting yourself a, up a schedule that you'll get the project so that you'll have time to get the project done says, okay, I got the message. Fear's trying to tell me I need to be uh, diligent about this. Um, so there's all kinds of ways that fear can talk to us and, ta- and tell us things that are important. Sometimes they just, it just tells us that um, we're afraid and that we got a fear from childhood that we've kept all throughout our adulthood. Sometimes that happens. Um, but whatever the case is, it is giving us information. It is giving us information. And what about the, the reaction of anger? You know, anger is another one of those kinds of darkness that can just kind of sit on us for a long time. Suppose you've been t- terribly wounded by someone, a parent, a loved one of someone that you really feel betrayed by, and that anger just sits on you like a darkness, and you don't know what to do with it. Well, I think that from a, from a transpersonal perspective, uh, anger has a message, and its primary message is, I am I am here, I am real, and I matter. So when we talk about uh, anger, it becomes then a message to take care of ourselves. So anger is really a form of self-love if we allow it to be that. Now, it can just be a hammer we used to hit hit somebody else over the head with. It can be misused, and it often is misused. We do see violence and abuse all, all the time from people not knowing how to use anger. But if anger becomes our friend and we begin to listen to it and just say, okay, what are you trying to tell me? And we can learn all kinds of things. So one of the stories I tell about anger is of a man who, who is working for an organization and he, uh, he is really angry at his coworker because his coworker stands in the doorway of the boss all day long chatting about golf and, and baseball and football and all that. And in, so instead of uh, being able to do his job, he's just chatting with the boss. And guess who's having to do his job for him? The other employee. So the other employee, let's call him Bob. So Bob is really mad at Jack, who's the guy that's standing in the doorway talking in the, to, the, to the boss. And the boss, of course, is allowing this. So he must know that Jack is not getting his job done. But somehow the work's getting done, so the boss is not worried about it. The work's getting done because Bob's doing it. But Bob is furious. Bob goes home every day with migraine headaches because he's so angry. But So what is that anger trying to tell him? Well, we could look at that and we could say, well, the anger's trying to tell him that Jack is a, is a jerk 
and Jack is just being a bad person, and that's the anger. What the anger is telling him is that Jack is a bad person. We can use all kinds of expletives on Jack here, but we're not going to do that. But the point is that your anger might do that. Your anger might just say, it's all about Jack. If I just could get Jack to change, then my anger would go away. And that's typically what we do with anger. We typically tell it that it's it has it's telling us about somebody else, and that's all it's telling us. And so if we can get with what is, uh, you know, that other person and tell that other person, you know, what what to do, what to think, what to say, then then the anger will go away. But that's not what anger's for. Anger's for you. It's your feeling. It doesn't belong to Jack. It belongs to Bob. And if Bob uses it just to spew all over Jack, then it's wasted. But if Bob uses it to look at Bob, then it's important. So if Bob says, um, I'm going to start looking at this. I'm going to look at my anger, and I'm going to ask myself what the anger's all about. I'm going to ask the anger to talk to me. So... Uh, Bob talks to the anger, and he listens to the anger, and he realizes that this is just exactly the same scenario he had with his brother. His brother was always schmoozing with Dad, and he brother got all the attention, and and Bob ended up doing all the uh, cleanup of the room and all the chores that that his brother didn't do, while all the time the the brother was being Dad's favorite. Oh well, that tells you, you know, there's a lot there. That tells you that Bob's got some old stuff that he's has come back up to haunt him today. Why has it come back up? Because the psyche's always leaning toward wholeness, and the psyche wants to give us information. The psyche wants to tell us what's going on. And so, um, when when Bob looks at that, he begins to say, "Okay, I can see that's about my brother. It's not really about Jack. But Jack is still not working, and I still am miserable in this job." Then Jack Bob begins to realize that, oh, guess what? I really don't like this job. I never have liked this job. But my anger is showing me that I really don't like this job. Now what's happening is Bob is beginning to look at his career options. He's beginning to think about how he can have a major life change. Why? Because he looked at his anger as an I am. Not as something about somebody else, but as something about him. It's telling him how to take care of himself, how to love himself better. And so Bob goes out and gets a new job that he really does like. And now Jack's not around to irritate him, and he's in a job he enjoys. Major life change, all because he listened to his anger. That's what anger can do for us if we listen to it. And what about walking through grief? We have to walk through grief sometimes, too. Uh, and so grief is a kind of sorrow that uh, it has many stages, but it um, and there's several different theories about the stages or phases of grief. But um, grief ultimately ends up in acceptance. We get to finally get to acceptance when we uh, understand grief. And um, so what grief comes to tell us is that there's something we're trying to accept. And when we accept it, then the grief will suspend it will not go away ever we still will have a loss that we'll still have a feeling that of sadness sometimes when we think about the loss of that person or place or thing that we were grieving but we will still we will still be able to um let go and and begin to accept the reality of our lives mm. so it's true that grief um comes 
through us in forms of denial and bargaining and anger and sorrow and acceptance and, and, you know, like I said, finally lands on acceptance. Those stages don't happen in any order and they don't all have to happen. But there are, there are various possibilities with regard to how grief is going to manifest itself. But when we get in the river, the river carries us to a new place. So if we just say, I'm going to be grieving for a while and allow that to be what it is, then we are, we, the river carries us to a new place. I think that sorrow is one of the most profound, life-changing events that we can have. It has a transformative power that nothing else does. And it does the work on us. I say we don't do grief. Grief does us. It does the work on us. It, uh, it pushes us to a new place where we, we become different. We are different. We are, I have never met anybody to date who uh, has not been changed by grief when they've really allowed grief to be grief. Uh, the problem with grief is that we resist it. We tell ourselves it shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be feeling this way. How long will it take before I get over this? What you know? How am I going to? How am I going to? You know, do my life if I'm feeling this sad all the time? And what I say is, let the sadness express. Go ahead and cry if you need to. Then write about it if you need to, and then do something self-soothing. Do something that really soothes you. Like you would a little child. If a little child comes to you and they're crying, you're going to pick them up and you're going to hold them and you're going to let them cry for a little while. And then you're going to say, let's go get a popsicle or let's go outside. And that's how they're going to feel better. So that's what we can do with grief. And we'll talk some more about some of the other possibilities with regard to darkness and how to walk through it right after this break. So stay tuned for more right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourself, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Life-changing events can have positive and or negative repercussions. When they happen, they can feel elating or devastating to those affected. It can also get in the way of your personal and professional life. On Life-Altering Events with host Frank Zakari, we examine the scope of these events and discuss how to move forward in the wake of the opportunities presented. It's never too late to get started or pick up the pieces and move forward. Listen Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about walking through the darkness and how we do that. We're obviously in a dark time right now with several different critical issues up in front of us, such as racial issues and COVID-19 and economic issues and political issues and sexual orientation, uh, discrimination and abuse and gender identity discrimination and abuse and uh, uh, climate change. All of those things, as we said in the beginning of this show, have to do with our acceptance of nature and our willingness to work with nature instead of trying to work against it or dominate it. But we also have our own individual kinds of darkness that come over us, and we've talked a little bit about the individual darkness of fear or anxiety, and we've talked a little bit about the darkness of grief. Now I want to talk a little bit about the darkness of the dark night of the soul, what they call the dark night of the soul. Um, Many people are experiencing this right now because everything looks so dark, and some people are trying to put meaning to it. Some people are saying these are the end times, and this is when, you know, everything's going to get bleak and dark and ugly and I believe that's because of a misinterpretation of some of the sacred texts that are in the Christian Bible. I don't believe that uh, we're being told by those sacred texts that the end times are going to be this terrible time. I believe that the end times are just all times, according to the Greek language, and that um, we are going to have trauma and uh, terror and earthquakes and Um, economic crises and disease and pandemics and things like that throughout our history we've had those kinds of things and so it's a part of our eternity to have that stuff and and um, and the end times are all about our becoming more aware of who we are the end times aren't really end times they're beginning times and they're all about our becoming aware of who we are as divine beings and that's that's from a deep understanding of the root language of the book of revelations. Um, and so that's what I believe. And, and if you look at the root language and you look at the real root of the words in the, in that text, what you find is something very different from what we've heard from down through the centuries. Um, it's very different and it matches, uh, the philosophy and understanding of many of the Eastern religions as well, that we are here to understand ourselves as divine beings. Uh, there's much more light and astonishing light inside of us than we ever knew. Uh, and because we don't believe that, we act as if we're dark. And uh, so there's, that's a whole other show to talk about. But uh, the dark night of the soul is what a lot of people are going through right now because there's so much fear and so much depression and so much grief over losses and um, so much trauma over the, over the terrible things that are happening with COVID-19. The collective darkness and the individual darkness just seems to be so much that some people are starting to question their faith. And that's basically what a dark night of the soul is. It it means that you may have gone uh, to a place where you have a deep understanding of of your connection to the divine. You may um, 
have come to a place where you really do connect to the divine in a way that gives you a great deal of peace, then all of a sudden that shifts and changes and you can't connect to the divine anymore. Your prayers seem to go nowhere. Your, your, uh, your, your meditation seems to be hard to grasp. You're unable to, um, to understand things in the same light that you did before. Uh, these are these are all manifestations of the dark night of the soul, and they happen because we uh, we get to a place of growth where we're ready to look at the shadow of faith. Uh, the shadow of faith is 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 no faith. The shadow of faith is um, believing all the garbage that we get taught by the world. The shadow of faith is to believe that the world has power and the divine has no power. The shadow of faith is to believe that the light is really dark. The shadow of faith is to uh, to understand that um, is to believe that um, our understanding of ourselves as divine beings is absolutely false. That our understanding of ourselves as as inept, in, inconsequential uh, beings who really don't matter at all. There's no meaning left in the world. That's that's a dark night of the soul. And so. What we have to do in the dark night of the soul is sit and wait. You know, one of the things that the Bible or the sacred text of the Bible says uh, about waiting is that those who wait on, on the Lord will be lifted up like as if on eagles' wings. I'm not saying it exactly as it's quoted in the text, but, um, and that is true, that we, if we sit quietly and just be with what is inside of us, and what begins to happen is there we begin to hear the still soft voice of the divine within us, and it's still and it's soft, but it's there. And whereas in the past it may have been strong and mighty, and we felt a great deal of peace because of it, now it's a smaller voice, but it's still there. So the dark night of the soul is an opportunity for us to go deeper, to go deeper into the soul, and be with what is in a way, in a new way, rather than the old way. So a change will occur because of the dark night of the soul. We will be different when we come out of a dark night of the soul. We will understand the divine and nature and ourselves in a different way than we did before the dark night of the soul. So it's important to just allow that to be and just sit with what is and wait. Just wait. And in the waiting, we become more alive to what is. So... Um, in in terms of our uh, understanding of the dark night of the soul, some of us have grown up uh, in atmospheres where there was something what I call that I call spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse is where our parents, our pastors, our teachers, our whoever was influ- of primary influence with regard to our understanding of life and the meaning of life, uh, they told us that. Uh, we had to believe what they taught, that what they taught was the final truth, the ultimate truth, and that we had to look outside of ourselves for that truth. We couldn't find it within us. Um, and so we uh, we did that. We, we did what it required. We thought we, we, we became a part of a particular religion or we became a part of a particular cult or we became a part of whatever it was that we had to become a part of in order to not feel unsafe. And so... Spiritual abuse insists that we must look to external authority and that we cannot trust any internal authority. 
But one of the things the dark night of the soul does is it helps us begin to trust an internal authority. It helps us begin to look inside of us for the truth. Um, and that's the same that uh, fear and anxiety and, and grief and trauma and uh, despair, all of those things, if, they, if we use it to help us look inside of ourselves, then we begin to really truly look inside there and we begin to develop what's called an inner authority. That means that I choose what I think is true and you, I may agree with you or I may not agree with you, but I choose what I believe. And, and that's based on my experience, not on you just telling me it's true and I should have blind faith in what you tell me. So there's lots of interpretations of the various sacred, sacred texts of the world, whether it's the Bhagavad Gita or the, uh, uh, the uh, Dhammapada or you know any of the sacred texts, whether it's the Bible, whatever it is, uh, people interpret it in their own way. The Quran, people interpret these things in their own way, and that interpretation becomes their belief system. And so we get lots of interpretations of what these things mean, and they may, it may not really mean that. And it may not mean that to us. If we sit with a given sacred text, for example, and allow ourselves to meditate on it, we may develop a whole other truth than what we learned from, our, from people that were teaching us. That's looking inside for an internal authority. Right now, in this time, in this age, there are many people who are being told to believe only what you hear externally. In fact, some people are even being told that to believe in what you find inside of you is to believe the devil because you're a sinful person and therefore the only thing that can come out of you is sin and therefore you can't believe yourself. You have to believe the teacher or the preacher. And those same people are gaining a lot of political power right now. Instead of using their power for, for sacred, for the sacred, they're using it for politics. And they're telling people how to vote and they're telling people if they don't vote that way, then they're sinners they're telling people if they don't vote that way, they're inviting the devil in their lives. There's a lot of false prophecy going on out there right now. And so there's a lot of people getting really confused and falling into a dark night of the soul. And so uh, that it comes as a result of spiritual abuse, where people are insisting that you do it their way, or there's terrible consequences to you or to other people. And that's a form of spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse teaches us to look to an external authority rather than to an internal authority. And so we must look outside of us for truth. And in this day where there's so much lying going on on TV, there's so many false reports being out there, so many uh, false memes and false information. And I understand that Russia is supposedly involved in the uh, election again. I can't confirm that, but I hear it. Um, and they're putting out a lot of false information about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And, you know, we're hearing that information out there, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but we're hearing it. And if it is, there's a bunch of lies being told, and people are being taught to believe those lies. That's the very essence of false prophecy. And therefore, people are falling into a dark night of the soul as a result of spiritual abuse. So uh, we have to be very careful about what we really put our investment in. I have to be careful about if I'm going whether or not I'm going to invest in what you say, whether or not I'm going to put my energy and my life meaning and purpose around what you say as opposed to what I think. I challenge people to look into themselves and look at their own beliefs by writing down some of their beliefs. And that, they may be surprised at some of the stuff they believe when they start to write it down. 
they may be surprised at, at, at the uh, irrationality of some of their own beliefs when they try to write them down. But then I ask them to argue with their own beliefs. And what comes out of that dynamic, if they really do the work, is that they begin to understand that I've got some power to figure out what I really believe. And this is what I really believe. Maybe I've given you lip service that I believe what you say because I thought I had to believe that. But really, I I don't believe that. I believe this other thing over here. And so that's a way for us to begin to get in touch with our own beliefs and and see them as, uh, as, as truth, as our own truth, as a literal truth. At the same time that we're walking through the, our own individual darknesses, we're walking through a collective darkness of monumental proportions at this point in our history. And of course, this is not the first time that ha- this has happened. There was a war uh, in, the er- in the early teens of the uh, 20th century, and there was also a uh, pandemic at the same time. And... Um, or around the same time. It might not have been exactly the same time, but around the same time. And um, so they crossed over each other. And uh, there was a lot of darkness, a lot of death, not just with the war, but also with the pandemic. And uh, we had to figure that out. Uh, there's been many other times in history, lar- large ti- large earthquakes have killed massive numbers of people and uh, knocked down whole towns in uh, in some places. And a bomb went off in Beirut not long ago and killed a lot and, you know, destroyed a lot of property and made a lot of people homeless. And it was a very destructive element. And they'd been begging the British people to take that ship out of there for all that time. And then finally it exploded and because nothing was done about it. And these are, these are dark times. These are times of deep trauma. And this is a collective darkness for us. And we've been through these darknesses before, and we will go through them again. This is not an end time. This is just another of the many times in our history when it gets dark, and we have to figure out what to do with it. But this collective darkness is a shadow. It is, a, it is the shadow of our consciousness, our collective consciousness. It is telling us that we are um, we're out of touch with nature. We think that we dominate nature. It is telling us that we, we discriminate against other people and their natural color. We discriminate against other people and their natural sexual orientation. We discriminate against other people based on their inner and truest gender identity. We are discriminating against ourselves by not using, uh, by using up our um, natural supplies. And, you know, there's several ways in which we're doing that. That shadow means for us to turn around and look Turn around and look, and then as we look, we begin to accept, oh, I've been doing this wrong, and perhaps I need to turn around and do it differently. That's what we can gain from this collective darkness. Well, that's it for today. We'll be back again next week, Uh, so you want to be here for that. I wish you all safety and your richest times during this dark time of, of the soul. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 